Hello, and welcome to the Preview Spotlight on the Comic Book Cage Podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, we'll be spotlighting items from the current month's previews catalog. This is Preview Spotlight number 184 for the March 2023 solicitations. In this episode, we'll be going over some of the items in the upcoming solicitations that you might find interesting. Now, comics are a pre-order business, so whether we like it or not, it behooves us to take a look at what's going to be offered a couple of months out and let our retailers know so they can order appropriately. Now, these episodes have an open submission policy, and I encourage you to send in clips to promote the comics you love as often as you can. Now, there are thousands of items solicited every month, and it's easy for things to get lost in the shuffle or just fly beneath your radar. We'll be starting with the DC Connect catalog, followed by the Marvel's Previews catalog, and then working our way through the Diamond Previews catalog. Obviously, we aren't going to go item by item, or page by page, or even publisher by publisher. We're just going to hit the highlights, and those highlights are picked by people like you. So with that, let's get going. My first pick is the pre-order catalogs of DC Connect, Marvel Previews, and Diamond Previews. I find these incredibly helpful to find out what's coming out a few months from now and kind of plan my order appropriately. Sometimes there's stuff that sounds good on paper, but I look at the art or something about the solicitation doesn't work for me, or there's something that I wouldn't have noticed unless, you know, the art had caught my eye or the solicitation looks pretty cool or something like that. Matter of fact, there have been a couple of times where I'll see something and realize I missed the first two issues or something like that and and go order them. So just flipping through these catalogs is kind of my monthly equivalent of the old Sears Toys catalog when I was a kid of, you know, finding out what cool things were out there to be had and then making sure I got them as, as best I could. So whether you get the printed catalogs or not, this information is available online at the various websites for the distributors and the publishers and such. Comics are a pre-order business. It makes sense to know what's coming out so you can let your retailer know so they can have it so you can get it. So once again, my first pick is the pre-order catalogs of DC Connect, Marvel Previews, and Diamond Previews. Hey, this is James here with the preview spotlight. I'm in the DC Connect. And the first thing I was going to call out is, I, I wouldn't call it a controversial title, but it may be a little bit controversial because of how, how it's being pitched. It's on page two. It's part of the dawn of the DC universe, and it's Titans number one. Now, the thing that got me interested with Titans number one, I, I, I'm i going to let you guys know, I'm not a Titans fan. Never really read the Titans. I read bits and pieces here and there. I like Nightwing, but uh, the, the other Titan characters, I, could, I couldn't care less for them. And I, I know that, I hope that's not offensive to people <laughs> who love Titans out there. But it's written by Tom Taylor, who I really like as a writer. And the artist by Nicholas Scott, and she is a fantastic artist. So I think it's a good creative team. Now, I'm going to read you the solicit. This is why I'm saying it may be a little bit controversial. The Dark Crisis is over, and the Justice League is no more. Now a team must rise and protect the Earth. Titans go. The Teen Titans are ready to grow, grow up. Each member joined as a much younger hero, certain that one day they'd be invited to join the Justice League, but the time has come for them to join the League, but not to replace it. Are they no longer the teen heroes ready for the big leagues? Danger lurks around every corner as heroes and villains alike challenge 
the new team before they've even begun? Will the DCU ever be the same? Find out in this landmark issue. So the Titans are being set up to be the replacement team for the Justice League. Honestly, we, we know how long these big, you know, seismic changes last. By the end of the year, the Justice League will be back. But, you know, that some people are going to get offended over that because the Justice League, you know, we can't get rid of them. We can't scrap them. This is going to be a replacement team until the Justice League comes back inevitably. But I'm on board for it. This will be the premier team. I like Nightwing. I like Nightwing more than Batman. So the, I like his title more. I have not read a run of Batman that I've enjoyed as much as I've enjoyed Tom Taylor on Nightwing to date since I've been reading. I mean, I just haven't enjoyed it that much. So I'm on board for this. I'm, I'm on board for the change. I think it'll be fun. If it sounds like something you would like, here's where you get your fix. <laughs> because the Justice League is going to be gone. You have a Flash. You have Donna Troy, who's going to be, you know, the Wonder Woman standing. And all the, you know, you have Cyborg. Anyways, if you like the Titans, you're going to like this book. If you like the Justice League, you may not like this book. But if you're a Nightwing fan or you're a Tom Taylor fan like me, you're probably going to like this book. And I'm here for it. On to my next pick. Dr. Mo here with a DC pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's Titans. Number one, Dawn of the DC means dawn of a new era of Titans, or at least this fan hopes so. Building off the momentum of Nightwing, Titans writer Tom Taylor has decided that it is time for this team to take the spotlight and to become DC's premier superhero team. Now, if you read Dark Crisis or its official title, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, you know that the Titans played a prominent role in how things unfolded, in particular, Nightwing. The lineup, according to the solicitation text and the cover art is the team of Titans, or probably if you're an old school fan of this property, the Marv Wolfman, George Perez, new team Titans. So you got Dick Grayson, AKA Nightwing. You've got Beast Boy, Gar Logan, got Donna Troy, Wally West Flash, Starfire, Cyborg, and Raven. I'm personally hoping that there's some additions to this team preview artwork provided by Nicola Scott, but I'll get to her shortly, shows another Teen Titans OG character. Not sure where, where that character stands as part of becoming this new Titans group. The last Titans series we had was Titans Academy. The less said about that book, the better. It for me, it did not live up to its potential, or at least in my mind, what I envision as its potential. I'm glad we're getting a book that will focus primarily on the team. Again, I'm hoping we get a, a, at least one or two additions who have not been shown in the cover art or in the preview artwork. The art for this series is by Nicholas Scott. I think Nicholas Scott has been a is a tremendous artist. I have loved her style going back to 
the the mid 2000s when I first encountered her on Birds of Prey, Secret Six. She did some Wonder Woman work. Absolutely feel as if she is the right artist for this title. And ironically, she has done a Titans run before. She worked on the Teen Titans series that was that Jeff Johns had relaunched back in the early 2000s. At that point, when she was the artist, I believe it was J.T. Kroll who was providing the artwork, but none of the characters who's in the cast of the Tom Taylor Titans was in the Teen Titans book that Nicholas Scott worked on. I'm truly hoping that we we get a bit of runway and time for this Titans book to take off. If you've been checking out the Dawn of DC announcements, you know that they're slow rolling all these titles. At some point, there's some sort of Justice League book, something coming out related to Justice League at some point. By the time that occurs, I hope that Titans has enough time to establish itself, its identity, and really is soaring at that point. I think Tom Taylor really has been laying the groundwork for this title in the pages of Nightwing in which this cast of Titans has been popping up infrequently to help out Dick Grayson as things arise. Titans, number one, can be found on page two of DC Connect and the regular cover costs $3.99 and there's a whole bunch of variants. Most of them look like they cost $4.99 because of cardstock. Hey, this is James back with my next pick in the DC Connect. And I literally flipped the page to page number four, where we have Shazam number one, part of the relaunch of the DC universe. And this one, the main reason why I'm going to read it is Mark Waid is the writer. Dan Morris, the artist. So great artist, great writer. Mark Waid has just been killing it at DC. So I'm really excited for this book. He, he did a great job with Batman versus Robin. He did a great job, World's Finest Batman and Superman. So I think he'll do a really good job here. It looks good. They have some interior art pages that look really terrific. And um, it says it's going to be basically 32 pages, $3.99. I don't do the variant covers at DC because they charge a dollar more for every variant cover. So forget that. I'm not going to read the solicit because there are other people who are calling out Shazam. But all I'm going to say is I'm on board for it. On to my next pick. Dr. Mo here. With a DC pick for the preview spotlight episode, it's Shazam! Number one, the latest Shazam series is written by Mark Wade and Dan Moore. So if that creative team sounds familiar, you know, maybe you've been reading the new Batman Superman World's Finest series that the duo has been the creative team on, which is a Kraken title. And I'm hoping that they bring that same energy to a Billy Batson-led Shazam title. Now, Billy Batson's Shazam, that character status quo has been up and down like a roller coaster these last few years. Character had a five-issue miniseries that spun out of Titans Academy. 
I will be honest with you. I know next to nothing about that series. I did not read it because I just wasn't a fan of the direction of Titans Academy. So I stayed away from that series. Most recently, there has been another Shazam series, the new champion of Shazam, which was a Mary Marvel led series co-starring Billy and Mary's foster siblings. It was written by Josie Campbell with art by Doc Shaner. It was a four issue mini. That was a really, really good mini series. If you are a fan of the Shazam property, definitely seek that out. I'm curious to see how that series intertwines and connects with the Mark Wade Shazam series. I'm sure at some point there'll be links established because Mark Wade is that type of writer where he builds on continuity and what other people are doing. Mark Wade was on John Suntra's Word Balloon podcast fairly recently. He was talking about the tone of the series and really wanting to establish Billy and Billy's character and perspective before bringing in other facets of the Shazam property. I think that's a really smart idea because really, again, as I alluded to in recent years, there have been other Billy Batson starring vehicles. And I think in the dawn of DC era, DC's really pushing for, I would say, a much more hopeful outlook for its superheroes and superheroines and building off the events of Lazarus Planet, which Mark Wade was a contributor to that crossover event, whatever you want to call it. I, again, I think that Dan Mora, I don't know how the man just keeps cranking out these pages. The, the preview pages for Shazam look really good. Moore, who I've been a fan of since the Power Rangers work, he the man has like a teen, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Power Rangers crossover book out coming out now. You know, in addition to you know what he's been doing on World's Finest. And my understanding is they're not going to break up the World's Finest duo. Mora and Wade will continue to work on World's Finest. So. I just say buckle up and just see what the magic is all about. Shazam number one can be found on page four of DC Connect. Regular cover costs $3.99. There are several $4.99 variant covers, and I believe I saw a mention of even a $5.99 cover. You know, pick whichever you want. Personally, I'm just going to stick with the standard cover. Looks really good. And again, if you are a fan of this property, jump on this book. Hey, this is James back with my next pick from the DC Connect. And I literally flipped the page again on page six. Uh, DC has a lot of new books coming out. So there, there's there's a lot of stuff to be excited about. One thing I will not be calling out is the next page, The Brave and the Bold, and the Bold because it's it's an anthology. So eh, not not for me. The Green Lantern number one, it is by this one. I'm going to see how long I stay on it because of the writer. It's written by Jeremy Adams. Jeremy Adams has been writing The Flash for quite a while now, and his run was is okay. It's mediocre at best. So for me, based on that, I don't know if he'll do a really good job on The Flash. So I'm going to give him a chance, give it an arc or two. But if it's Jeremy Adams, just like he was on The Flash, I may or may not stick around. The art is by Zarmanico. 
and they, I, I guess that sample art on the right, and it looks decent. I, I've seen Sir Medico's art, it's fine. But let me read you what they say about this. This is once again spinning out of the, the Crisis event, Dark Crisis. So it says, spinning out of the events of Dark Crisis, the Guardians of Oa at the heart of the Green Lantern Corps have quarantined Sector 2814, home of the planet Earth, and its champion along with it. The heartbreaking defeat has sent Hal Wheelie, returning home to rediscover his roots and find the man responsible for ruining his life, Sinestro. Ah, I like that. Hal versus Sinestro. From the visionary team of Jeremy Adams, I, uh, that's debatable, and Zermanico, who brought you the epic Flashpoint Beyond, which I did like that, comes a tale of redemption, loss, and finding out that maybe, just maybe, you can go home again. At least if you're willing to hotwire a power ring to do it. Also featuring one of Jon Stewart's war journal from the writers of Philip Kennedy Johnson and artist Montos. So there's going to be a backup story. So yeah, 40 pages, 5 bucks, you're going to get an 8-page backup story. I hope the backup's good because a lot of times the backup stories just haven't been great. But I'm definitely jumping on board here because we had Green Lantern that I've enjoyed for a while. And, and really, I'm just crossing my fingers and hoping this is a good one. But it's Hal Jordan, and I do like Hal Jordan. I think he's a good Green Lantern. I, I like all the Green Lanterns, except for the, the weird ones. You need to get to the guy who looks like an onion, I'm out. Or the chicken head. All right, on to my next pick. This is Nick with a pick from the DC Connect previews catalog. This is from page 10. It's Cyborg number one of six. Now, DC is... A little bold here, their tagline up at the top says, Spinning out of the hotly anticipated Titans relaunch, which if you uh, do the math here, they're coming out on the same day, actually. So DC is counting on some Titans fans to pick this up as well when they head to the shops. The writer is Morgan Hampton, who I'm not familiar with, and the art is by Tom Rainey, who I do believe I have seen on something before. Let's read the solicitation here. It's $3.99 for 32 pages. When a family emergency brings Cyborg back home to Detroit, Victor Stone surprisingly finds himself enjoying his return to the simpler life, where everybody sees him for who he really is, and always was, rather than as a larger-than-life superhero. It's been a while since Vic's been able to lower his guard and seek a purpose outside of being Cyborg 24-7, but a lot has changed in Detroit while Victor's been away. An aggressive new company is turning the Motor City into an overclocked engine for revolutionary artificial intelligence, and no one knows better than Cyborg that technological transformation always comes at a steep human price. Milestone Initiative writer Morgan Hampton from DC Power, A Celebration, joins forces with veteran star artist Tom Rainey from Green Lantern and Uncanny X-Men to give Cyborg the dawn of DC epic he deserves. And the art here looks... I would say kind of modern. There's some character design sketches that are on the next page. No preview art of the interior pages. But from what I know about Tom Rainey's art, I think it'll be pretty decent. Check it out on sale May 16th, 23. My name is Michael, and I go by Super Flash Adam 1980 in the forum. My pick is in the DC Connect on page 12. It's called Spirit World Number no. One. It's written by Alyssa Wong, and the art and covers by Han Ning. As Alyssa says, in the pages of Lazarus Planet, Dark Fate, a new Chinese hero emerges who is able to travel to and fro, to and from the spirit world, the realm of the dead and that of the living. 
Their name is Xanthi, and their superpower is being able to burn the items folded from Joss paper and immediately turn them into real objects, based on the East Asian practice of burning Joss paper like graveyards in order to send resources to ancestors in the spirit world. Except Xanthi can retrieve those items in the world of the living. Their weapons of choice is a large broadsword, because who doesn't have love a big sword when he can choose to use a big sword? Xanthi is a master of the dark arts who swear to give Constantine a run for his money, literally. When Constantine shows up, Xanthi scams him into buying something. He finds him and that girl casting fighting an abnormal influx of Xiangxi Chinese hopping vampires and joins in to help. But when a portal opens up that drags back girls into the spirit world, it's up to Xanthi and Constantine to travel to the land of the spirit to rescue her. Who knows what other spirits we'll find in the spirit world, like the skip like that skateboarding boy wearing Han Fu with some headphones and a gaping hole on his chest? So that book is Spirit World number one on page twelve of DC Connect. This is Nick with another pick from the DC Connect catalog. This time from page 14, it's The Vigil, number one of six, $3.99. The writer here is Ram V, and the art is by Lalit Kumar Sharma. And this has the We Are Legends tag at the top, which they describe is their set of three stories between this spirit world and the city boy, also listed in this catalog, which highlight Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. That's kind of why they're targeting these all at the same time. But actually, uh, I just actually read an article with an interview by Ram V today, which he was talking about some of the things he's working on. And he mentioned that this series here, The Vigil, was a project he had cooked up with DC in part to kind of give some voice to some Indian representation. And his idea here was to give sort of like a planetary or a Doom Patrol type take, except kind of filming the conspiracy theory reference through the, the Indian experience. And so I don't know what that exactly means, but here's what the solicitation says. Who are the Vigil? The shipping vessel Eastwind was taken captive by pirates off the coast of Thailand 24 hours after the crew had been taken hostage before communications had been established or any demands made, the crew reported an intervention by a group of unknown individuals. Amid the bizarre claims by the crew are reports of an individual who changed his appearance at will and a woman who seemingly dodged bullets. Once the pirates were taken out, no attempts were made at rescuing the crew. There have long been rumors rogue metahumans targeting weaponized illegal technology, with some hinting that they call themselves the Vigil. What were they after? Why did they intervene? Are there metas among us? Stay tuned for more. You are being watched. And there are a couple a little thumbnail preview uh, pages here on the next page. Just the black and white art, but it does look pretty good. And seems like a unique enough take six issues. Definitely in to try this one. This is Nick with a pick from the DC Connect catalog. This time from page 16, it's City Boy number one of six. Another one of the uh, miniseries tagged here with We Are Legends 
to coincide with Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. This one is written by Greg Peck with art by Minkyu Young. And it says, uh, first seen in Wildstorm 30th Anniversary Special and Lazarus Planet Legends Reborn, there's a new Korean hero named City Boy. Or at least that's the best translation of what the cities call him. City Boy, a.k.a. Cameron Kim, is just trying to make a living by using his powers of being able to speak to cities to find lost and hidden goods to pawn. And it's only just enough to get by. And those abilities mean he hears everything everywhere all the time, including each city's histories and the truths behind them. is very loud in his head and something he has to live with. As his powers get stronger, the cities start forming animal avatars from scraps in order to physically travel alongside him on his adventures. Of course, Gotham is a rat avatar made of city scraps, but what about Metropolis, Bloodhaven, Amnesty Bay, or even Themyscira? And not all cities are so kind. So it seems kind of intriguing. You know, I think they're dealing with a couple of uh, interesting concepts here for this We Are Legends initiative here, these couple of series. The preview art looks great, and I'm in to give it a try. My next pick is on page 18 of the DC Connect catalog, and that's right, it's the anniversary issue of Batman 135. And you're thinking, uh, what anniversary is that? Well, it's actually also issue 900 of Batman. Now, why they didn't renumber it back to that for the issue and flip it over, I don't know. It's actually something I think people might not notice going through the catalogs. I mean, it's clearly Batman 135 slash 900, but still. Anyways, it is an oversized issue by its total like 56 pages. So it's not even a 64-page special, so it's not that oversized. But it is $6.99, so you could argue it's overpriced. It's $7.99 if you get the cardstock cover. This is why I get my stuff at a discount when I can. Anyways, it's going to conclude the Bat-Man of Gotham storyline that's been going on for a bit too long. It's going to also have some kind of wild revelations and a new path for Batman. And this is one you won't want to miss. So it's got a fair amount of hyperbole in the solicitation, too. Anyways, I've had mixed feelings on the Batman title. There's parts of the story I like, some I don't. It's Chip Zdarsky. I was expecting him to do better. I know James was as well. I don't know what's coming after this. I don't know if we're going to get a new number one or any of that stuff or where this will fall onto the dawn of DC stuff, but it is an anniversary oversized issue 900, so I thought I'd point it out on those grounds. So, once again, that is Batman 135 on page 18 of the DC Connect catalog. Hi, I'm Billy Hogan, host of the Superman Fan Podcast, and I go by Superman Fan on the forums. My first DC pick is on page 22 with Superman number 4, written by Joshua Williamson. Art and main cover is by Jamal Campbell. Variant covers are by Gabriel Rodriguez, Ramona Fredon with Sandra Hope. And if I was going to get one of the variant covers, it would be this one because I love Ramona Fredon's comic book work in the 1960s on Metamorpho as well as her work on the Brenda Starr comic strip. And another variant cover by Nathan Zerdi. A 1 in 25 variant cover by Pamela Hugaboom. A 1 in 50 variant cover by Miku Suyin. 
a 1 in 100 foil variant cover by Jamal Campbell. The cover price for the regular edition is $4.99 for 32 pages, and the cardstock variant covers are $5.99, and this issue is scheduled to go on sale May 16th. Introducing the Kryptonite Claw. Superman is vulnerable to kryptonite, but what happens when other dangerous superhumans are exposed to it? If Superman wants to stop Metropolis's newest enemies, he must uncover Lex Luthor's secret past. After the Superman on War World storyline, I was cautiously optimistic that the new era of Superman stories was going to be exciting and interesting and keep me reading Superman stories. And so far, I haven't been disappointed. Billy Hogan again. My next pick is also on page 22, with Action Comics number 1055, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, Dan Jurgens, and Dorado Quick, with art by Rafa Sandoval, Lee Weeks, and Yasmin Flores Montañez. The main covers by Sebastian Fiumara, which is the one I'll be getting, there are variant covers by Rafa Sandoval and David Talaski, a 1 in 25 variant cover by Al Barianuevo, a 1 in 50 foil variant cover by Sebastian Fiumara, an AAPI Heritage Month variant cover by Bernard Chang. The cover price of the main edition is $4.99 for 48 pages, and the cardstock variant covers are $5.99, and this issue is scheduled to go on sale on May 23rd. Superman's true enemy has been revealed. The cyborg Superman, Hank Henshaw. Everything the superfamily has built stands on a knife's edge, and Superman and Metallo become the unlikeliest of allies as they hunt for Metallo's missing sister. Can they prevent the inevitable devolution of Metallo's mind and body long enough to save his sister from Henshaw's monstrous plans? This is quite a plot twist. The cyborg Superman is behind everything, and Superman and Metallo have to team up. I can't wait until I get to read this issue. Billy Hogan again. My next DC pick is on the very next page, number 23, with The Adventures of Superman, John Kent, number 3 of a six-issue miniseries. Written by Tom Taylor. Art and cover by Clayton Henry, and that's the cover I'll be getting. Variant covers by Zhu Orzu and Afua Richardson. A 1 in 25 variant cover by Travis Mercer. And a 1 in 50 foil variant cover by Clayton Henry. The cover price of this issue, or at least the regular edition, is $3.99 for 32 pages. And the cardstock variant covers are $4.99. And this issue is scheduled to go on sale May 2nd. John Kent arrives on an earth he's never seen. The world of injustice. While Akelel rules this world in seeming peace, why does everyone John meets fear the S symbol on his chest? And why is Batman public enemy number one? John has to pick a side, and the consequences make either choice a dangerous one. This solicit reminds me of some of the imaginary stories I used to love to read in Superman comic books in the 1960s. Except this time, it's what if an evil Superman rules the Earth? 
So this miniseries is shaping up to be a great story. This is Nick with a pick from the DC Connect catalog, this time from page 25. It's New Talent Showcase, the Milestone Initiative One-Shot. This is one of their like 80 or 100 page giant type issues with the prestige format. And they say all new stories from future comic superstars. Written by various, art by various. In May, oh, and this is, this one is actually listed as $3.99 for 112 pages. So really, I don't think you can get any better than that for this type of an issue. It says, in May of 2022, 12 writers and 12 artists came to DC headquarters to hone their skills with some of the best comics creators in the business. And one year later, we're showing the results of the cohort's hard work. This special showcases all 12 stories created out of the Ally-sponsored Milestone Initiative. If you don't grab a copy, you'll be missing some of the first published work of the stars of the future. Now, even if this was one of those $10 issues, I think they're always worth just seeing, you know, what what sort of art talent or maybe are there any good writers sort of up and coming that they want to highlight. But in this case, being $3.99, the cost of a regular comic book, even probably cheaper than the average comic book these days, it's a no-brainer. Pick it up, see what new people are writing, especially if you've got any kind of interest in the Milestone universe. Just see what sort of voices everybody's gonna give to these characters, new and old, and give it a try. This is Michael, and my next pick is Peacemaker Tries Hard Number 1. It's in basic collect on page 28. It's written by Kyle Stars, art by Steve Paul, P-V-G-H, and I really enjoyed the HBO Max series Peacemaker series, and I hope this is insane, similar, and it's fun like that, that show. So once again, it's Peacemaker Tries Hard Number 1 on page 28 of DC Connect. This is Jason with a pick this month from the DC Connect catalog. It's Crisis on Multiple Earths, book three, Countdown to Crisis. This book will complete the other two volumes that started a few months back that started collecting the Justice League of America and the Justice Society of America crossovers that began in the Bronze Age and pretty much continued up until the end of that Justice Justice League of America volume one run. So a lot of great characters, Earth one characters, Earth two characters, and really kind of set the stage for the type of parallel Earths that eventually would culminate in the crisis on infinite Earths. So I highly recommend this if you like classic DC. Like I said, this looks like the first time they finally completed all the crossovers from beginning to end from the Justice Justice League of America and Justice Society. Billy Hogan again. My next pick is on page 45 with Batman number 181 facsimile edition. Written by Robert Conniger and Gardner Fox with art by Sheldon Moldoff, Carmine Infantino, and others. The cover is by Carmine Infantino and Murphy Anderson. And this is the cover I'll be getting because in a facsimile edition, I always like to get the original cover. There is a special foil variant cover by Carmine Infantino and Murphy Anderson, which carries the cover price of $5.99, and there is also a blank sketch variant. 
The regular cover price is $3.99 for 32 pages, and the variant covers are $4.99. And this issue is scheduled to go on sale May 2nd. Reprinting the first appearance of Poison Ivy. In this historic issue, Batman and Robin encounter the irresistible Poison Ivy, who is out to prove that she should be public enemy number one. To accomplish this feat, she enacts a plan to turn the underworld's other female villains against each other and attempt to seduce the Batman to her side. Will the Cape Crusader be entranced by her charms? Find out in this facsimile edition featuring all the original stories and ads from the 1960s. This issue was originally published back when I was first learning how to read and I was collecting what comic books my parents could afford to get me. But while I never read this issue back then, I know it will take me back to some fond memories of reading Batman stories when I was a kid. Billy Hogan again. My next pick is also on page 45 with Batman The Adventure Continues, Season 3, Number 5 of a 7-issue miniseries. Written by Alan Burnett and Paul Denny with art by Ty Templeton, and the main cover is by Scott Godlowski, which is the one I'll be getting. A variant cover is done by Danny Earls, and a villain variant by Francis Manipal, as well as a 1 in 25 variant cover by Hayden Sherman. The regular edition carries a cover price of $3.99 for 32 pages, and the cardstock variant covers are $4.99. This issue is scheduled to go on sale May 9th. The battle for straight man's mind concludes as Batman clashes with the Joker and the Suicide Squad. Can the Dark Knight free straight man from the clutches of the Joker? Or will he be lost forever to the Clown Prince of Crime? I'm glad DC Comics decided to revisit the animated universe version of Batman another time. And I'll be checking future DC Comics Connect previews to make sure I don't miss any other Batman animated series, universe, miniseries. Billy Hogan again. My next pick is on the very next page, number 46, with Batman Superman World's Finest, number 15, written by Mark Wade, with art and cover by Dan Moore, and that's the one I'll be getting. Variant covers are by Daniel Sampier and Bruno Redondo, a 1 in 25 variant cover by Walter Simonson and Laura Martin. If I was going to get one of the variant covers, it would be this one, because I love Walter Simonson's work, and Laura Martin is an excellent comic book colorist. There's also a 1 in 50 variant cover by Nicholas Draper-Ivy. The cover price is $3.99 for 32 pages, and the cardstock variant covers are $4.99. And this issue is scheduled to go on sale May 16th. The Rise of Ultramorpho. Years ago, Professor Anthony Ivo built Amazo, a killer android who could duplicate the powers of the Justice League. But now an even deadlier android stalks the DC Universe. Ultramorpho. Able to transform into any element, including kryptonite, Ultramorpho can kill Batman, Superman, Robin, and Metamorpho in one fell swoop. But who created him? Who does he work for? And what has he done to Will Magnus, inventor of the Metal Men? Anytime Metamorpho is in a comic book story, 
I'm looking forward to reading it because of the more unusual heroes from the 1960s. I've always been fascinated by Metamorpho. This is Nick with a pick from the DC Connect catalog. This time from page 46. It's Batman Superman World's Finest number 15. And besides just being a pretty steady series that I've enjoyed so far, being written by Mark Wade and drawn by Dan Mora, this solicitation has two words that have me hooked. It says, The Rise of Ultramorpho. Years ago, Professor Anthony Ivo built Amazo, a killer android who could duplicate the powers of the Justice League. But now, an even deadlier android stalks the DC universe, Ultramorpho. Able to transform into any element, including kryptonite, Ultramorpho can kill Batman, Superman, Robin, and Metamorpho in one fell swoop. But who created him? Who does he work for? And what has he done to Will Magnus, inventor of the Metal Men? There it is, the Metal Men. Great to see them back in comics. And who knows what Dr. Ivo's up to here or what's happened to Will Magnus, but if Mark Wade and Dan Moore are doing it, I'm interested to see. Billy Hogan again. My next pick is on the very next page, number 47, with Fables, number 160, the 10th issue of a 12-issue miniseries. Written by Bill Willingham, with art by Mark Buckingham and Steve Leloha. The main cover is by Corrine Reed, which is the one I'll be getting, and there is a variant cover by Mark Buckingham. The regular cover price is $3.99 for 32 pages. And the cardstock variant cover is $4.99. And this issue is scheduled to go on sale May 16th. A storm rages outside the last story home. A long overdue battle plays out in the wind and rain. Bigby Wolf and Peter Pan have finally come face to face. But while these two deliver their deadly blows, an even greater threat has found its way into the wolf cabin, putting Snow and her children at risk. Not only does this miniseries pick up where the original Fable series ended, but it's also just as good, and the quality of the story and art has not slipped even a little bit. So I'm glad I've picked up this miniseries. And I hope that there are some more Fables miniseries in the future. My next pick is the second item on page 48 of the DC Connect catalog, and it is JSA number 6. Now, I've been enjoying this series by Jeff Johns. I think we're getting some terrific art by uh, Mikhail Janin. And what's interesting about this is it's tying in the after effects, I guess, of Stargirl and the Lost Children into what Jeff Johns is telling here. To me, this is no surprise. I was expecting things to kind of dovetail. I think Jeff Johns has a bigger picture in mind between what he was doing over in Flashpoint Beyond, the new Golden Age one-shot here in JSA over in Stargirl and the Lost Children. I'm curious where this is all building up to. I'm enjoying what he's doing. Hope it lasts for a long time. But this is solicited as Justice Society of America number 6 of 12. So I was hoping not to have an of anything on it, but I'll take what we can get. Hopefully something happens after that point and we get more of this stuff. So once again, that's Justice Society of America number 6 
on page 48 of the DC Connect catalog. Billy Hogan again. My final DC pick is on page 49 with Superman Lost, number 3 of a 10-issue miniseries. Written by Christopher Priest, with art and cover by Carlo Pagulian and Jason Paz. There is a variant cover by Lee Weeks, and if I was going to get one of them, it would probably be this one, because I have loved his work on Superman in the past. There is also a 1 in 25 variant cover by Tony Harris. The regular cover price on this issue is $4.99 for 32 pages, and the cardstock variant covers are $5.99. And this issue is scheduled to go on sale on May 9th. With the assistance of advanced technology from an unnamed planet, Superman begins his voyage home, only to discover that, even at fantastic rates of speed, Earth could still be several lifetimes away. However, hope arrives in the form of a familiar species, allowing Superman to hitch a ride with them, but they encounter a grave threat to their existence on a mysterious planet along the way. This is shaping up to be a very interesting miniseries because the Man of Steel is faced with a great challenge. How to get back to Earth before everyone he knows and loves has grown old and died. When I was a kid reading Superman stories in the 1960s, he was so powerful that he basically had warp drive ability. He could fly anywhere in the universe and get back to work in time to meet a deadline at the Daily Planet. I think this miniseries has scaled back his space-traveling ability to a more believable scale. Hey, this is James back with another pick and uh, the, the DC Connect. It's on page 54, and there's an omnibus that I'm actually interested in picking up. I, the first omnibus I've seen in a while from DC was the Dark Knight's Death Metal. I think I skipped that on that one. But this one is Green Lantern Corps by Peter J. Tomasi and Patrick Gleason Omnibus Volume 1, which does indicate that there should be a Volume 2 to follow. And so this one, yeah, of course you get Peter J. Tomasi, but there's also Jeff Johns that did some writing on this, and you get Patrick Gleason and others. But it's one of the greatest creative teams of modern day comics debatable, but it's a good team. I would agree with that. The collection for this, it's the Green Lantern Core Recharge 1 through 5, Green Lantern Core 1 through 3, and then 7 through 38, Green Lantern 21 through 25, Green Lantern Sinestro Core Special, and stories from the Showcase, you know, and on and on. There's a, a bunch of different things in here. It's 1,240 pages for $150, but I buy through Deep Discount Comics from Eric over there who's on our Slack channel too. And I'm pretty sure it's about a 50% discount. So I'll be picking up this 1,200 pages for 75 bucks, which isn't a bad deal if you think about it. And you get all the material all together in one big chunk. And I'm interested in this because when the Green Lantern Corps is done right, I really like the Green Lantern. I think it's a lot of fun. So on to my next pick. Hey, this is James here with a pick in the Marvel previews. And I opened it up, and I'm on page number two, and the first thing solicited made me happy, and I'm pretty sure it made John Mayo happy, <laughs> is we get Avengers number one. No longer Jason Aaron. That run was long in the tooth. I will not do that again and sit around for 60-plus issues of something that I'm not enjoying. 
and his Avengers Forever was even worse than the main Avengers title. But this one, the writer is Jed McKay, and I have been enjoying Jed McKay a lot of what he writes, not everything, but he's a decent writer. I'm going to see how he does with the Avengers. I will not give him as much rope as I gave Jason Aaron, just because I I don't want to go through that exercise if it's not good, but I got my fingers crossed this will be good. Let's see, the artist is C.F. Villa, so in the cover, just if you want to know, Stuart Eminent for the main cover. And for the solicit, it says, Assemble, Jed McKay and Stormbreaker C.F. Villa take the reins of Earth's mightiest heroes. The star, the icon, the witch, the construct, the god, the engineer, the king. The world is ever in peril, and a new team of Avengers mobilizes to meet any dangers that dare to threaten the planet. But when Terminus attacks, a new and insidious danger rears its head. One of the Avengers knows all too well, and one of them comes to them the most dangerous of guises, that of a friend. It's four ninety nine, so it's a little bit overpriced, but you're getting 40 pages, and it won't be a backup story. Please, thank you. Uh, and you do have a new team of Avengers over here on the on the right. If this is the team, it looks like you have Captain Marvel, Scarlet Witch. You have Black Panther, Sam Wilson, Captain America. You had the Vision. You have Iron Man, and you have Thor. So completely new team. We'll see how it works out. We'll see how we like them. I flipped the page over on four and five. They have interior art, and it looks pretty darn good. So. I'm kind of excited for this. I'm ready for a change for the Avengers. It has not worked the Jason Aaron run. This is the change we've been waiting for. This is your jumping on point. So time to jump on and on to my next pick. Hi, this is Jason with my next pick in the Marvel previews catalog on page seven. It's Avengers number one facsimile edition. I usually try to call these out if I can, just because they are, you know, usually a big milestone, like a, Issue number one of a classic run or a first appearance of a character that is highly sought after and very hard to find. What I like about these two, they have the essentially the comic book is completely reproduced from the time that it was made. So you've got like the the ads the kind of the what I call the old school comic book ads inside of there. And you get the first appearance of the Avengers. So I definitely recommend this if anybody kind of wants to see what that first issue of the Avengers looked like and all the characters and kind of relive that great story. Billy Hogan again. My first two Marvel picks are both on page seven. Avengers number one facsimile edition and Iron Man number one facsimile edition. Now since Jason Z has also picked these two comic books, I'll spare you having to listen to the solicit being read again. I had to check my comic book collection because I thought I may have had a past reprint of Avengers number one, but I didn't, so I'm making sure to get this one. I believe I've read the original story once a long time ago, but it'll be nice to have a reprint of this very first Avengers issue. Plus, it's Stanley and Jack Kirby, so who wouldn't want to read a reprint of a story by those two. And as for the very first issue of Iron Man, I loved the work of Gene Colan. Now, this isn't the first appearance of Iron Man. He appeared in, I believe it was, Tales to Astonish, and he split the issue with Captain America because, at the time, the accountants for Marvel convinced Martin Goodman to sell the distribution company that he owned 
and distributed all his comic books and magazines through and just go with another company to save money. But then that company went out of business. So he was forced to distribute through the distribution company owned by DC Comics. Now, it could be wrong, but I think it may be illegal today for a publishing company to own their own distribution company because of laws against monopolies. So that's why Captain America and Iron Man had to share an issue. They didn't team up, but they had their own separate stories in each issue. And much like Iron Man, Thor didn't appear in his own title originally. He was first in Journey into Mystery before gaining his own title. Anyway, if you've listened to my solicits in the past, including this one, you know how much I enjoy these facsimile editions. And when it's a title or a character that I really enjoy, I never pass up an opportunity to get one of these reprints. This is Jason again with another pick from the Marvel previews. This time it's Iron Man number one facsimile edition on page seven. And what, what's interesting about this title is it's not the first appearance of Iron Man. That happened in Tales of Suspense on number 39. But this is his first ongoing. So Tales of Suspense had both Iron Man and Captain America helming the title. So it's kind of splitting the book. And when essentially it was canceled... It continued, like, number-wise, in terms of um, the number of issues, became Captain America. So the numbering continued for the title, whereas Iron Man was started in his own title. So about five years after sharing with Captain America, he got his own book in 1968, and it's Iron Man number one. Once again, you get all the ads, and you kind of can see, you know, what's going on in terms of the house ads and what's going on in Marvel at the time. And Iron Man lasted over 300 issues, so definitely the beginning of a good solid run. So recommend this if you are an Iron Man fan. Billy Hogan again. My next Marvel pick is on page 12 with Miracle Man, Silver Age, number 7. The writer is Neil Gaiman, art and main covers by Mark Buckingham, and variant covers A and B are done by To Be Announced. Miracle Man vs. Young Miracle Man. The cataclysmic showdown is finally here. Attention retailers, Miracle Man by Gaiman and Buckingham, the Silver Age number 7 cover, was originally solicited for number 6. The new cover for issue 6 will be revealed at a later date. It's rated mature and is scheduled to be in shops on May 31st for the cover price of four ninety nine. I'm glad that I picked up this series because I'm finally getting to read the adventures of a character that I've heard a lot about but had never had a chance to read before. Hey, this is James. I'm back in the Marvel previews, and this time I'm over on page 34 where there's a new, I don't know if it's a miniseries. Oh, no, it's a one-shot. Sorry. It's Fury Number 1 by Al Ewing. He's the writer, and Scott Eaton, Tom Riley, Adam Kubert, Ramon Rosanas uh, are the artists. So I don't know why there's four artists for a one-shot written by one person, but it's uh, about Fury. It's through history, so you're getting the old Nick Fury, the new Nick Fury, you're getting the old World War II Nick, you're getting the current 
MCU, uh, Nick Fury. So anyways, I'll, I'll read you the list on there. It says, who is Scorpio? A glamorous rogue agent with a deadly secret lures Nick Fury into an action thriller of a lifetime, his father's. Following the trail opens never-before-seen Fury Files from the Howlin' 40s, which I loved it when he was Sergeant Fury in the Howlin' Commandos, the Swingin' 60s, cool, and today. But it takes more than one Nick Fury to unlock a mystery and decades in the making and to answer the question, who is Scorpio? So I'm going to read it. I like Nick Fury, and I thought this would be a cool cool thing with Al Ewing writing it. And I was just kidding about the artists. The artists are basically like each one of the decades. The art will change a little bit from World War II you know, moving forward. But it's 56 pages, $6. I'm going to give it a shot just because it's a one shot. So I'm not in for a long ride and fingers crossed that it's good. On to my next pick. Dr. Mo here with a Marvel pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's X-Men Red number 11. We're back, folks. It is post Sins of Sinister. And we are currently in the ramp up to Fall of X, the X-Men crossover event that's supposed to be coming summer 2023. Now, if you've been following X-Men Red, you know that the book has been dealing with a number of issues. First off, we have Abigail Brand and her machinations against the nation of Krakoa. It seems that even though Abigail Brand is a mutant, technically she is an alien and a mutant. That that is her parentage. She has been, you know, playing. You know, I would say she's been playing her own game and has been aligning herself with some X Men villains, pretending she's aligning with the X Men, but. To be fair, it's all in service to what she wants. So prior to Sins of Sinister, we have been getting, you know, that that storyline coming to a head. Post Sins of Sinister, we're going to check in on that. One of the other storylines that was being ramped up prior to Sins of Sinister was the situation involving Vulcan, who is the brother of Cyclops and Havoc. He also was the former emperor of the Shi'ar. They like to call him the Mad Emperor. So I guess the Ken, if you if you read X-Men comics back in the day, they called him the Mad Emperor. So I guess Vulcan is the Mad Emperor too. Yeah. <laughs> but we had a bit of a powder keg pre-Sins of Sinister involving Xandra, who is the current Empress of the Shi'ar Empire. Xandra is the daughter of Charles Xavier and Lelandra. According to the solicitation text, Xavier decides to poke his head in on what's going on on Araco, which I think is a bit ironic because how many scenes have we gotten with Xavier and Xandra since that character was introduced? And I believe it was Mr. and Mrs. X, the Rogue Gambit ongoing series prior to House of X and Powers of Ten. So Xavier is a poor parent. I mean, it's been clearly established. His relationship with Legion is very rocky. Hence the reason why there's so many problems with Legion. Xandra, I mean, since this character 
has existed. There have been numerous assassination attempts on this character. And where is Xavier? So I guess Al Ewing has decided to answer that question. Now, we've also, according to solicitation text, Storm is on the verge of a new romance. So we'll, we'll see how that unfolds. I really have been digging X-Men Red since its prior incarnation, Sword. It has had the same writer, which is Al Ewing. Al Ewing has written both Sword and now X-Men Red. It's a nice mix of some X-Men stuff. You've got uh, politics amongst the different space empires, not just the Shi'ar. you got the Creed, the Scroll, even bringing in some Guardians of the Galaxy stuff. Al Ewing wrote the previous volume of Guardians of the Galaxy, so he's been utilizing some of those characters intermittently in X-Men Red. Again, a large part of this title is about Araco, in particular the Araco's version of the Quiet Council, the Great Circle, who took massive blows during the Avengers X-Men Eternals crossover in the fall of 2022. So there's a lot going on in this book. I'm really curious to see how Al Ewing continues to turn up the heat as we head into Fall of X. If you've been reading X-Men Red, you know, rest assured that this title is coming back post Sins of Sinister. It's not renumbering. It's continuing with, with its previous numbering, which was 10. It's now we've jumped into issue 11. X-Men Red, number 11, can be found on page 44 of the Marvel Previews catalog and costs $3.99. Dr. Mo here with the Marvel pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's Immortal X-Men number 11. So if you're an X-Men fan, one of the things I, I shouldn't have to tell you, but you know, I will remind you that X-Men Red and Immortal X-Men are essentially twin titles. They are focusing on the various governments of Araco, which is the focus of X-Men Red and the Quiet Council who governs Krakoa in Immortal X-Men. Now, like X-Men Red, we are in a post-Sins of Sinister world, so we're kind of checking on things and resetting. And if you have been reading Immortal X-Men, you will know that this definitely was the book that was ramping things up to Sins of Sinister because of Immortal X-Men's writer, Kieran Gillum. Kieran Gillum was the driving force on the Sins of Sinister event. So the focus of this issue of Immortal X-Men, according to the solicitation text, is we're dealing with the fallout of Sins of Sinister. That seems to be a theme amongst these X-Men titles this month. And the focus is Storm, which ironically, Storm was listed as a big focus of the X-Men Red solicitation as well. So it's Storm Month here at Marvel Comics. Now, if you've been following along, you know what I'm going to probably say next that again, this is ramping up now to Fall of X, which will be coming in summer of 2023. I'm really curious to see how Kieran Gillum sort of starts to 
position this title for Fall of X. Now, clearly, you can't get a lot into the solicitation without revealing spoilers either for Sins of Sinister or, to go back, previous issues of Immortal X-Men. Because it got crazy in that book prior to Sins of Sinister. Now, joining Karen Gillum on this wacky ride is artist Lucas Wernick. Wernick has been the regular artist on Immortal X-Men since the first issue. I like Wernick's style. It's been definitely been improving by leaps and bounds. I think amongst the stable of current X-Men artists, certainly in my opinion, Wernick is one of the strongest artists. I just absolutely love how this artist depicts fabric and clothing and so forth. The X-Men look very stylish, whether it's Emma Frost, Kate Pride, it they all look really, really good. So if you've been wondering, you know, hey, is Immortal X-Men going to re relaunch, re or renumber, coming out of Sins of Sinister? You know, rest assured it's not. You just just jump back on that Immortal X-Men train and keep moving towards Fall of X. Immortal X-Men number 11 can be found on page 45 of the previews catalog and costs $3.99. Billy Hogan again. My final Marvel pick is on page 58 with Fantastic Four number 7. Written by Ryan North with art by Ivan Coelho. Cover A is by Alex Ross, and that's the one I'll be getting. Cover B is a Spider-Verse variant cover by Giuseppe Comancoli, and I hope I pronounced that name correctly. Cover C is a Scott Koblish wraparound 700-character variant cover. Cover D is by Greg Land. Cover E is a Rob Liefeld homager variant, and cover E is to be determined. Colossal issue number 700. Fantastic Four number 7 is also Fantastic Four number 700 which means we're absolutely going huge. It's an oversized spectacular as the Fantastic Four reach their new home, not knowing that a mysterious threat has made it there first. As their knowledge of language itself begins to melt from their minds, the four are in disarray as their existence hangs in the balance, and the greatest villain of all time finally seals their doom. Rated Teen Plus, and is scheduled to be in shops on May 17th, Four five ninety nine. The very first issue of the Fantastic Four that I read was around thirty eight or so. So getting to read the seven hundredth issue of the Fantastic Four is something I'm looking forward to. What's up, guys? X Men Patrick, and I am checking out the Marvel previews because I don't do DC anymore, and I'm on page. 76 we're looking at star wars yoda number seven mark guggenheim is the writer alessandro mercalo is the artist covered by phil noto variant 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 a bunch of variants yoda versus general grievous to the death why not right that's awesome start of a new arc set during the tumultuous clone wars that's awesome clone wars cartoon was amazing separatists have a powerful new weapon that can change the course of the war can Yoda and Anakin Skywalker discover the secret of the weapon in time? 32 pages, three ninety nine. I really do like, I'm guessing that's the A cover by Noto. General Grievous behind Yoda there. There's also a variant by Canuck. Uh, Canuck. 
talking about hockey now. <laughs> Nock, uh, with Yoda with the clone troopers behind him. I definitely want cover A. I haven't read my Star Wars Yoda because, like I said, man, I'm a slacker. I haven't been reading much. I had to catch up with my turtles. But definitely catch up with uh, Star Wars Yoda. This starts a new arc, and it's back in the Clone Wars era. So read along with me. Catch you guys on the Slack. On to the next pick. Hey, this is James back with another pick in the Marvel previews. And this time I'm on page 82. And we are getting an Ultimate Spider-Man Omnibus Volume 3. Now, I have the first two. A lot of people love Ultimate Spider-Man. They love the Ultimate Peter Parker Spider-Man. Things happened. I won't spoil it if you don't know, even though it happened years ago. And we ended up with Miles Morales Spider-Man, who was when the Ultimate Universe imploded. Miles was one of the characters that came through, which was kind of cool. He was a, a fan favorite. And the reason why I'm calling this out, it's, okay, of course, written by Brian Michael Bendis, penciled by Mark Bagley, Stuart Eminem, and Mark Brooks. Just FYI, I'm going to give you some page counts and stuff. 1,088 pages, 125 bucks. Also, uh, roughly about 50% off if you get it from Deep Discount Comics from Eric on the Slack channel. But the reason why I'm calling this out, the reason why we're starting to see these ultimate things, I've been seeing a lot of ultimate omnibus come up and there was some spoiler not really spoiler i think it was in the spoiler section someone posted some news i think it was dr mo if i'm not mistaken talking about how i think it was kates and hickman have been planning and working on reviving the ultimate universe how they bring back the ultimate universe when it was destroyed i don't know are they just going to reboot a new ultimate universe inside of you know their omniverse metaverse anyways there, an ultimate universe is coming back. I think that could be a lot of fun. I really kind of missed a lot of it when the ultimate universe came out. I caught it at its tail end in the waning years as I got back into comics, and then it kind of imploded and went away, and I'm happy to be there for the jumping on point, and I think a lot of these Omnibuy are coming out to, as interest is rekindled and stoked about that. By the way, this Omnibus is coming out September 2023, if that gives you a hint on a time frame of when this might be coming out because Omnibus typically are solicited like nine months in advance. And here we are, I'm recording this March 1st, and this is coming out basically six months away. So I think they're going to kick this thing out the door because they want it to be out there when the Ultimate Universe is pushed back out. And I'm so excited for that because I am the biggest Hickman fan. So anyways, I got excited for this. On to my next pick. Hey, this is James back with my final pick in the Marvel previews, and I'm on page 87, and it's another omnibus, and there's a reason why I'm calling out two omnibus. The, the previously, you know, you, I told you how excited I am for the Ultimate Universe to get relaunched. But here we have Thor, uh, on page 87, Thor by Jason Aaron, Omnibus Volume 2. I, I already own all, Omnibus Volume 1. John and I did a back-issue spotlight on Jason Aaron, the beginning of his run. This is one of the premiere runs of Thor. This is fantastic. This is Jason Aaron at his finest. Jason Aaron in the right setting is an unbelievable writer. You put him in the wrong setting, like Avengers, and he falls all over himself and it it just wasn't good. But this is where he shined. So once again, written by Jason Aaron, penciled by Stephen Epting, Russell Dodderman. Oh, Russell did a great job. Valerio Skitty. I'll I'll say it that way. (laughs) James Heron, Oliver Coapel. I'm not going to read all these names, but there's a whole lot of artists, and a lot of them are really, really, really good. They definitely gave him top-tier talent. And it says it is collecting the mighty Thor 13 through 23 and 700 through 706, unworthy Thor 1 through 5, 
and it goes on and on, you know, blah, blah, blah. This is 1,368 pages for $150. Now, I will say it does kill it King Thor 1 through 4. And the reason why I say King Thor 1 through 4, there's not going to be a volume 3. I'm pretty sure that was the last little miniseries in Aaron's run. And Aaron did a fantastic job. And Kate's was really close right there with him. So I still lean towards Jason Aaron having the better run. But Kate's was really, really good too. But anyways, th- this is fantastic material. If you haven't read it, you can still pick up the Thor Omnibus Volume 1. Get this Omnibus Volume 2. I can't recommend it enough. This is my favorite run of Thor. And yes, I have read, you know, all the... I, the only one I haven't read is Lee and Kirby. I did not read theirs. <laughs> but I will read it. But I, I've read everything else Thor. And this is still my favorite run. It's fantastic. You get the Jane Thor that, going on in here. You get... Thor being unworthy and then becoming worthy again. You get future views of what's going to come that still hasn't come, but I think it's still going to come as a big, big event in the Marvel Universe with Thanos. So this is just terrific stuff. Can't recommend it highly enough. And on to my next pick. My next pick is on page 106 of the Marvel Previews. And it is Wasp Small World's Trade Paperback. Now, I've only read the first two issues of this because that's all that's come out as of when I'm recording this, but I've been really enjoying this. I think they've been doing a really good job of telling a story that stars the the original Wasp, uh, Janet Van Dyne, the daughter of, I guess it's really Hank Pym, who's kind of, sort of, but not quite the daughter of, of Janet, but she treats her as such. So the the younger Wasp that we currently have. It's diving into the backstory of the original Wasp. Based on the solicitations, it looks like there's a couple of interesting twists and turns coming that I haven't gotten to yet. But just what we're getting with Janet and Nadia is a lot of fun. Jarvis is showing up here, who has been not used much in the last few decades, which I think is a crime. He's a key member of the Avengers in my mind. So I've been really enjoying it, and this was something that could easily get missed by people, given how quickly it's being solicited after the series finishes. So it's 112 pages. It includes the miniseries and some material from Tales to Astonish number 44. So it's got Stanley actually credited as doing the writing, presumably for, for that story. Like I said, I've been enjoying it. Thought it was worth shouting out. I'm not going to pick this up because I've got the issues. But if you missed the issues, I'm talking to you, James you might want to check this out. Once again, Wasp Small World's Trade Paperback on page 106 of the Marvel Previews. This is Nick with a pick from the main previews catalog. From the image section, this is page 76, and I'm looking at Deep Cuts number 2 of 6. I'm highlighting this one because I'm actually a little bit disappointed after the solicitation for last month that it seems like this may be just some sort of anthology or disconnected type series thing. So I don't know if I'm going to pick this up, given the fact that it's uh, oversized issues at $5.99 and doesn't seem to be any sort of coherent story. But if you were intrigued enough by the story of New Orleans jazz musician in the last issue, it says here, story by Kyle Higgins and Joe Clark, art this time by Helena Macellas, Chicago, 1928. Gail Gelstein has 48 hours to write the biggest jazz hit of all time. There's just one problem. She doesn't know anything about jazz. Rising star artist Helena Macellus joins the Deep Cuts team 
for a whirlwind journey behind the curtains of Broadway. So again, I don't know. I don't really think that they're selling this series very well, but might be interesting to you. Billy Hogan again. My final pick is in the Image Comics section on page 79 with Hey Kids Comics, Volume 3, Schlock of the New, number 2 of a six-issue miniseries. The writer, cover, and story artist is Howard Chaikin. With the soon-to-be self-styled Greatest Generation grudgingly called to war, it's high time for those back on the home front to step up and fill in for the fighting men overseas. But when the work needs writers and artists and the only bodies available are unambitious, half-wit hacks, and talentless, over-eager fans, will this be what kills the comic book cash cow? In shops on May 3rd for the cover price of $3.99. I've enjoyed the first two volumes of this miniseries by Howard Chaikin, mainly because in this fictionalized version of comic book history, early in his career he met a lot of the old-timers who had been in the industry for years. So he learned where a lot of the skeletons were buried, and he heard a lot of stories from their careers. So he really gives a very personal history of the comic book industry, even though it's told through the form of fictional characters who represent some of the old-timers that he met back then. Hey, this is James here with a pick in the main previews catalog. The first thing that I came across that I want to stop at was in the Boom section on page 106. And it's actually a trade paperback for something a comic that I've been enjoying in singles. And it's Jason Aaron doing something that's, I wouldn't say it's the best stuff I've ever read by him, but it's pretty solid. It's a, it's a really fun read. It's called Once Upon a Time at the End of the World, Volume 1, page that's page 106. Writer Jason Aaron, like I mentioned. Illustrated by Alexandre Tefanki, I don't know how you say that, and Nick Dragata. <laughs> we all know Nick Dragata, but I'm like, I, I, I'm sorry, Alexandre, for butchering your name. All right. <laughs> it's a post-apocalyptic fable trilogy for fans of Saga. I, I am no longer a fan of Saga, but I am enjoying this. Maybe it's because Jason Aaron has not left the book for two to three years. And what I would say is about not even really a coming of age. For one for one of the characters, it's a coming of age book. It's about people in the post-apocalypse. One was left in a high-rise building. His his parents pass away and he lives he's like in a gilded cage. He has all everything he could possibly need there, supplies, things like this, and he just keeps to himself. The other one is the equivalent of a Boy Scout, the Rangers of that time, but in the post-apocalypse, how to survive in the wasteland stumbles across this other character in the high-rise. Maceo and Mezzi are their names. But the character that is the scout, I'll say, it was a, it's a ranger, but it's a scout, it doesn't want anything to do with this guy because he, he doesn't know anything, he doesn't have any skills to survive in this wasteland. But this kid who's been living in the tower, Maceo, he's, he's wanting to get out. He wants to explore the world. And so he packs up way too much. <laughs> one, of the, one of the issues is how much stuff he carries. And they he follows Mezzi out into the wasteland. And what they find out is they learn from each other. Because even though Mezzi didn't think Maceo had any skills, he actually is a very smart person. And he has a different set of skills. So they almost complement each other. And they're learning, they're growing, they're developing together. While at the same time, they're being hunted 
and coming across dangers in the apocalyptic wasteland. It's actually a really fun read. I enjoy it a lot. So this is a place where you can jump on, and then when the new singles start coming out again, you'll be up to speed. This collects Once Upon a Time at the End of the World, issues one through five. I've already read them. Like I said, I enjoy them. I think it's terrific. And can't recommend it enough. Even Mark Wade on here. They have a little shout out for Mark Wade. Nobody understands the storytelling power of raw emotion like Jason Aaron does. Mark Wade. So I agree with you, Mark. This is a good story. On to my next pick. This is Nick with a pick from the main previews catalog, this time from the Dynamite section. Page 151 is where the uh, main solicitation text here. It's Disney Villains Maleficent Number 1, uh, listed at being $3.99. Writer is Sue Lee, and the artist is also Sue Lee. And there's a little interview here later with her, as well as a little bit of preview art. I don't know if I'll pick this one up myself, but the art looks great. Of course, being a Dynamite book, there's several great-looking covers. But I think if you have maybe a younger reader or somebody that's into, like, the Disney villains, this really does look like it's packaged pretty well for them. It says, Disney and Dynamite proudly present Maleficent, Queen of the Forbidden Mountain. Her realm is shrouded in darkness and evil and full of all things that go bump in the night. Her soul is cold, hardened by a lifetime of small-minded wanderers, seeking to steal her powers to satisfy their mortal greed. Her patience wears thin. Her mystical might grows. It is a matter only of time before she descends the mountain and unleashes her horrible magics upon the powerless people below. A stunning vision of villainy from writer and artist Sue Lee. And again, like I mentioned, there's a couple pages here of different covers that are available and an interview with the artist, writer, then also a couple preview pages that look about, I think, what you would expect for kind of a comic book take on that character. Hey, this is James back with another pick. I know we're not supposed to record two items in one clip, but they kind of really pertain to each other. On pages 220 and 221 in the new quote-unquote premier publisher, Titan Comics, (laughs) Titan, what made them premiere was getting the Conan license. Yeah, we get Conan the Barbarian, the original comics Omnibus Volume 2, and the Savage Short of Conan, the original comics Omnibus Volume 2. I'm just kind of writing these out. I'm keeping my Marvel copies that I already have. But if you miss the Marvel copies, didn't get a chance to pick them up, some of them are hard to get. They're selling for a much higher price than when they came out. These are 856 pages and 944 pages, respectively. The Conan Omnibus is 125 The Savage Short of Conan Omnibus is 150 but you get a nice big discount from Eric on the Slack channel. So go to Deep Discount Comics. But they, they have like the original covers and then the direct market covers, which is funny because Titan sells only through the direct market, so I don't know. At least to my knowledge, I don't know. Maybe they sell through Amazon. I, I, I don't know. But these are the your chance to pick up these Omnibuy. I'm just kind of sitting around and waiting until they get caught up on the Savage Short of Conan where Marvel left off, and then I'm going to pick up the uh, Titan ones. But I'm, I'm just the guy here reminding you that these are in the previews this month, so if you missed them, this is your chance to pick them up again. On to my next pick. This is Jason with my next pick on page 226 of the Marvel Previews catalog from Titan Comics. It's Marvel's Hulk, The First 60 Years. And recently I was talking about another book that was solicited that focused a lot on the entertainment, movies, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe, etc. Whereas I was kind of looking for more of a title that 
you know, focuses in on the comics because I'm a huge Hulk like comic fan. So this is kind of more my speed, what I was looking for. It looks like it's $24.99 hardcover, 128 pages. It says a celebration of 60 rage-filled years of Marvel's immortal, incredible, and savage hero, the Hulk. So this kind of is a really good book. It explores like greatest battles, deadliest enemies, unlikeliest allies. Has a lot of pro- profiles of the talented creators, which I always like to hear, you know, about the, you know, the artists and writers who came up with, you know, Hulk stories and a little bit about their lives and what went into their creation of such a cool character like the Incredible Hulk. So definitely recommend this if you're a Hulk fan. And Titan usually puts out some, you know, high quality book on the same page. They have the Marvel, the first 80 years, which kind of chronicles Marvel comics over that time. I uh, got that book a while back and just high, high quality content from Titan. So highly recommend this if you're a Hulk comic book fan. This is Nick with a pick from the Ablaze section of the main previews catalog. On page 230, it is Animal Castle, Volume 2, Number 1. They say the hit series returns. I know there was some interest from the speculator community about this issue. I think just because it was like little animals in the art or something. But honestly, it was a good series. Kind of takes the uh, you know animal farm approach to representing real world issues through allegory. And the art is really good. In fact... There is some preview art here that I encourage you to check out. I think they've got like seven or eight pages of it to see. And if you haven't read the previous issues, I think you're going to have to go back and read those first. But here's what it says this time around. On the farm, all animals were equal. In the castle, some are more equal than others. Animal Castle Volume 2 picks up shortly after the events of Volume 1 with Miss B trying to convince the animals not to give in to violence in order to put an end to Silvio's reign. At the castle, the dictatorship continues. Thanks to the efforts of Miss B and her friends, the animals attempt to remobilize the the pacifist movement of the daisies. But Silvio, the bold dictator, is trying to keep them under his hoof to keep his power. Helped by cruel canine militia, he decides to have the rebellious animals imprisoned in the dungeon. But Miss B and her friends will respond once again with trickery, and solidarity. So again, if you know how animal allegories work, you know, they're representing real-life characters like a Putin or a Hitler or whoever, you know, and then there's all kinds of other political things and things going on between the different animal classes. But you know what you're signing up for in this kind of a series? Check it out on sale in May. My next pick is one that I haven't decided if I'm going to get or not. It's a little pricey. It's $39.95, and it is the Myth Adventures collected graphic novel on page 254 of the Diamond Previews. Now, I've read the Myth Adventures novels back in the day by Robert Asprin. I thought they were great. This is art by Phil Foglio, which he's a terrific artist, and I think this really falls into his wheelhouse. So I'm really curious about this. It's 240 pages. It's a soft cover. It's full color. It looks interesting. It's nearly $40, though, which is why I haven't decided if I'm going to get it or not. But it's got some some great, hilarious material in the novel and such, so getting the comic book adaptation of it, or series inspired by it, I'm actually not sure which, is, is certainly something I'm thinking about. If anyone has this older material that's being reprinted here and 
knows anything more about it, I'd really appreciate some, some insight that may help me decide if I get it or not. So once again, that's Myth Adventures Collected Graphic Novel on page 254 of the Diamond Previews. This is Jason with my next pick. It's on page 299 of the Previews catalog. It's EC Archives, Two-Fisted Tales, Volume 1, for 1999. So Dark Horse has been doing a great job of going back and reprinting all of these EC Archive editions, which originally were reprinted as $50 hardcovers. And now they're going back and republishing them as as softcovers for you know $20, which is much more economical. And it looks like they're pretty consistently trying to publish the entire line of EC Comics in those early 50s. I mean, this particular series is considered some of the best uh, war comics ever, ever completed. So, and the art is amazing. It has artists like Wally Wood, Johnny Craig, Jack Davis, Al Feldstein, and uh, John Severn, amongst others. So I definitely recommend this book if you are a war comics fan. One thing I found interesting was this is the first month that it looks like Dark Horse Comics, their single issues are up in the premier publishers, kind of where it's always been for years. But for some reason, their trade paperbacks, their collected editions are back here with the kind of the other publishers. And I'm not sure exactly what happened to cause that. But so like they have Black Hammer back here. They have the, you know, Hellboy books and, you know, all of those type of basically their whole line is back here in the 200, almost 300 pages in. So definitely take a flip through that if you like Dark Horse books. But highly recommend this book if you are a war comics fan. Hey, this is James back with another pick in the main previews catalog. I'm in the back half of previews where I'm in the second half of Dark Horse. (laughs) Dark Horse comics are still listed in the front as a premier publisher. Dark Horse trades are now in the back. They've been blacklisted since they went to Penguin Random House. And Diamond's having to pay for redistribution. (laughs) It's kind of funny. It it seems a little spiteful that they take them and throw them in the back. Give them the little uh, postage stamp things. But I understand it. It's, It's frustrating. But the one that I was calling out is on page 299, where I'm picking up something called, EC, or I'm thinking about picking up EC Archives Two-Fisted Tales Volume 1 Trade Paperback. Now, I've seen EC Archives Two-Fisted Tales multiple times in previews. It's always like a $50 hardcover, and it's like 200 pages, and I'm just like, I don't know. It's it, it, it's it's really old material. It's old war stories, which I like, do like old war stories, but these are really old war stories. and. I wasn't sure if I'd like them. I'm willing to give it a chance now that it's coming out in trade paperback because I can test it or read it for a much lower price. So instead of the 50 bucks, you're getting 216 pages and a soft cover collection for 19.99 plus my discount through Deep Discount Comics. So it looks like this would be a way to actually try it without having to spend too much money. Now, the writers on this are Harvey Kutzman and Wally Wood. I know a lot of you guys know them. And the artists are Various and Various. Okay, I love Various. He's great. But it's old Two-Fisted Tales, which I think is a hilarious name, (laughs) originally published in 1950 and 1951. These are really, really, really old comics. So these are published right around before the Korean War was kicking off based on World War II. I'm going to check them out. And if you're into World War II comics or really old 50s comics, you might want to check this out. And like I said, I just didn't want to plop down a ton of cash for something that may or may not work for me. So I figure I'll be paying like 13 bucks for this. I can stomach that. On to my next pick. 
Hey, this is James back with another pick in the back half of the previous catalog. And this is on page 332, where we get a new take or a new story in the world of the ink hall. It is The Ink Hall Dying Star, written by Dan Waters, artist as John Davis Hunt. It's 128 pages. It's a hardcover, mature readers only, $25. They really don't gouge you for humanoids for the price on the hardcovers, what they give you. And you're going to get a nice big discount at Deep Discount Comics. It, the genres that it have us it in is science fiction, romance, adventure. And they give you in the previous catalog, one, two, three, four, five, six pages of preview art. And it's just fantastic. I mean, it looks really good. Looks interesting. For those of you who don't know about the Ink Hall, it is a terrific read. It's coming out to movies. Alejandro Jodorowsky, the writer. This one is, is other writers revisiting this world because of the movie that's coming out. And I'm going to read you this list. It says, things are not going well for Commander Kalman. Luz, the love of his life, is dead. His home, the Tortuga, destroyed. His crew, ghostly apparitions. And his crocodile mutation taking over more than more of his body. Just when it seems like despair may overtake him, a chance encounter with a strange violin connects him to Aurora, a woman living in a future where she is staring down almost certain destruction. With his passions renewed, Cayman hatches a bold plan to find a cure for his mutation and a future with a newfound love. However, Cayman's past is catching up with him, and Aurora's future faces imminent doom from an appropriate hostile fleet to a timeline's tick tick towards tragedy, and only an act of pure love can save them. So it's pretty cool. It, they At the bottom, they said they have a big, in case you missed it, the other in-call spinoff, the, the Psychoverse, you can reorder it. It's listed down here at the bottom. The in-call and Jodorowsky's writings are terrific. I mean, there's even a thing on the Meta Baron, which is written by Jodorowsky, but it's just basically talking about the weapons of the Meta Baron. That's solicited this month, too. But I would pick it up. If you're interested in the movie, if you're interested in the in-call, uh, the in-call solicited, solicited often in different formats, and it's good reading. So if you like Euro comics, this is not necessarily European, but it's tapping into those Euro comics that came out before it. So on to my next pick. What's up, guys? X-Men Patrick. This is my second and my last pick. I'm getting 13 books this month, whatever this month would be. 13. That's my lowest ever, I think. It's sad because I can't find stuff for me anymore and I don't write. But I'm on page 350. I'm in the IDW section. We're looking at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Annual number 2023. I picked this because literally I'm not reading much more. Um, out of those 13 books, I'm getting two Spider-Mans, two Walking Deads. So there's four that are double. So... Let's go through it. Uh, we got Michael Walsh is going to be the writer. Artist and cover artist, two to be determined. So they don't know much because IDW switched from Diamond and now they don't even get pictures anymore. Ninja Turtles take to the streets for a simple patrol. What they find will rock their shells. Realities collide in this oversized special issue where the turtles come face to face with a threatening force from the future. Can the brothers band together to take down this mysterious foe? It is a $6.99 for 48 pages. They don't have an artist yet. They have 48 pages worth of art. There's a um, T8 Ninja Turtles. You sign your Jimbo down at the bottom. When, where, where, when, number three. I didn't know that was coming out, but that cover looks pretty cool. And that's all the covers we got for Ninja Turtles. Read along with me. I love the turtles. I'm getting Walking Dead. You know, like, not much in this book here, unfortunately. Give me some hints. Tell me what you guys like. I'm on the Slack channel. 
get on to this. Tell me what to read. What what kind of books you guys are reading and why you're picking them. I'm down to 13. I haven't picked up 13 books in a long time. Usually I'm over 20 the past few months. Over that and a few years ago. So this is really easy to hit record. I'm recording in my truck right now while my son's in MMA training. And I look through the books real quick because I already dog-eared everything. And I just picked a couple out to record. But I can't really find anything to record with. Help me out. Pick it up. All right, guys. Thank you again. See you on the next one. This is Nick with a pick from the Magnetic Press section of the main previews catalog from page 370. It is The First Adventure of Sherlock Holmes, A Study in Scarlet. I believe this is a hardcover. Yes, a hardcover at 8.5 by 11 dimensions. For $24.99, you get 124 pages of beautifully illustrated art here. Their description is illustrated in a style reminiscent of Hayad Miyazaki's Studio Ghibli films, whose early works include Sherlock, Hound, a cartoon homage to Doyle's indelible character. I can't speak to that as I'm not really too familiar with those Studio Ghibli projects, but it is really great illustrated style here. Some nice full-page illustrations on display, kind of that pencil and, and then pastel coloring type shaded art on top of that. And for this kind of price range, this is the kind of book that, you know, any young reader especially will just love to flip through. If you've got anybody of that age range interested in mystery stories, definitely give this to them. It says it's faithfully representing the first appearance of the world-renowned character for a new generation. So I think you're going to get an honest telling of the story with some great art and hopefully enough to entice some all-age readers into the world of Sherlock Holmes. And I should also mention here, I don't want to skip past this, actually. Of course, the writer is Arthur Conan Doyle, but the illustrator here is Vincent Malley. This is Jason with my next pick on page 373 of the previews catalog from Odyssey Publications. It's Dark Avenger, The Strange Saga of the Shadow. Basically, the Shadow was a pulp hero, but initially he started out as on the radio as a radio show, and then kind of took a life of his own when he made it to pulp magazines. So this is pre-comic books, and essentially is one of the most popular pulp characters, you know, ever made. He did obviously cross over into comics, you know, I think with DC Comics and some other print publications more recently with Dynamite. But, you know, he, he had a long run in terms of his pulp magazine run in terms of his stories, and obviously, like, a lot of people have accredited him as to all of the mystery characters of the early comic books, including Batman, specifically Batman, and some of the other ones. Crimson Avenger is another classic one, but you know, San the Golden Age Sandman, like a lot of these people were inspired by the shadow. But yeah, I like how it, it says the book documents the character's transition from radio to crime-fighting detective who rivaled Sherlock Holmes and inspired Batman and obviously numerous others. It just kind of brings this his story to life from a lot of the creators. So I recommend this if you are a Shadow fan or an early comics fan. And definitely if you like that crime, noir, detective, pulp hero of the Shadow. This is Jason again with my next pick on page 390 of the previews catalog on from Red 5 Comics. It's We Are Scarlet Twilight, number one. So this kind of continues that theme of the golden age kind of detective, but 
and this one combines elements of kind of noir, but also kind of cyberpunk dystopia. So it says, it's 1938 and time to meet our hero, Captain Lancet. He's a golden age, all-American crime buster who's about to accidentally create the world's greatest villain. He'll need to adjust to a strange new world, one that resembles Fritz Lang's Metropolis with some cyberpunk dystopia sprinkled in if he wants to overthrow the totalitarian vampire cult that now dominates the world. So I uh, don't usually pick up a lot of single issues. I'm more of a collected editions person at this point, but the concept really sounds interesting to me. So I'm not sure if this is a mini series or an ongoing, but I certainly will check out first couple issues of the series and see if it's any good. So I uh, definitely recommend this if you kind of like that cyberpunk, but also kind of, you know, setting that, call it the early golden age of the late thirties. So hopefully it turns out to be a good book, but just wanted to kind of put a spotlight on that for you guys. This is Jason with uh, part two to the We Are Scarlet Twilight issue number one. So I found a ton of information on this just because it seemed to be a very interesting series to me. So I tried to look up more information and I found quite a bit. So this is going to be a, well, it's actually a completed four issue miniseries. It was on Kickstarter back in, I think, 2021, but it was a, uh, they did issue number one there. And it looks like the Benjamin Morse has finished the series. So it's a four issue miniseries, about 24 pages a piece. There is quite a bit of preview art of the pages. So you get to see kind of like, okay, we see what the cover looks like. We can kind of get the general idea of the story, but what do the inside, do the panels measure up to the cover basically inside? So, and I'll, I'll try to post these on the day of the release of the previews uh, episode uh, when it releases. But but essentially, We Are Scarlet Twilight, number one, it's on Kickstarter. I mean, it's a completed Kickstarter run. So as far as I know, the backers have all received this. So it looks like he's doing like a more general release through previews catalog. And then there was a link that says it's called zoop.gg, where it looks like he's just finished or he's, he's almost finishing We Are Scarlet Twilight, number four. And so Basically, you can pick up all four issues as well as the hardcover collection. So it looks like he's going to reprint all of those four into one collection. So so it looks like he's pretty much finished with that series. So it's a four-issue series, so it's not like a long commitment. Obviously, it's much cheaper to get it through previews than trying to back a campaign like this. So, But that being said, I don't think the prices are extremely bad. But but anyway, I uh, just wanted to kind of update you guys. There's tons of, like I said, uh Art, you know, preview art, in interior art of what what the kind of give you the aesthetic as well as just the environment of what this series is going to be about. So I definitely recommend checking that out to see if this is a series that you guys would like. Dr. Mo here with a pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's We Are Scarlet Twilight, number one from Red Five. I first encountered this series as a Kickstarter uh, a couple years ago. I believe it, I saw a posting about it on a comic news site, whether it was CBR, whether it was Newsarama, or perhaps even Bleeding Cool. What drew me in then was the very clean art style by the writer-artist Benjamin Morse. And though I did not back the Kickstarter, I decided to keep an eye out for this title. And I was very surprised when I saw it, a listing for it 
amongst the Red 5 titles in this month's previews catalog. Now, We Are Scarlet Twilight is a mix mash of pulp and cyberpunk. It stars a hero named Captain Lancet, who is the protector of his city. Again, if think Batman the Animated Series, think Doc Savage, along those lines, and you will have uh, Captain Lancet, who in a very colorful costume, you know, reminiscent of a Golden Age character. Now, I'm I'm typically on the lookout for what I consider not necessarily throwback superhero titles, but superhero titles that I think are a fun twist on an old concept. I like the fact that we're getting it from a publisher who I don't typically buy titles from. I think it's been a while. since I know it's been a while since I actually picked up a Red 5 book. I believe this is a four-issue miniseries, so hopefully there is enough interest that Benjamin Morse will be able to produce some additional titles. We Are Scarlet Twilight can be found on page 390 of the previews catalog in the Red 5 section. My next pick is one that I haven't decided if I'm going to get it or not. It's a 40-page comic for $5.99, so a little expensive. And it is from Scout Comics, which their stuff hasn't always really worked for me. It is Impossible Jones and Captain Lightning number one on page 393 of the Diamond Previews. Now, I read an issue of Impossible Jones. I was expecting more than I felt I got. It was okay, but not enough for me to say, yeah, I got to keep getting this. This is written by Carl Kessel. We've got art and cover by David Hahn. But what has me interested in potentially getting this is that crossover aspect of it. You're thinking, who is Captain Lightning? And my answer is, I have no earthly idea. That's not the crossover I'm talking about. And I think the name of this is just unbelievably bad. Because they're going to cross over with Kessel and and, uh, Tom Grummet's Section Zero. So why not put that on the cover in the title, not buried in the solicitation? Now, Section Zero was one that started back, I don't know, 20-plus years ago and finally finished up a couple of years ago. I mean, they, they got like an issue or two out, and then they restarted and, and jumped the story forward the 20 years when they told it the second time and completed it. And I liked it. I thought it was good. So, like I said, I'm curious about this, but it's 40 pages. It's just shy of $6 by a penny, so it feels a little expensive. And the fact they're bearing the crossover and not telling me who Captain Lightning is, they really could have solicited this a lot better. But I know there are some other people who are fans of Section Zero that may have missed this since it was both buried in the back and buried in the solicit. And if you didn't actually read the solicit, you wouldn't know if Section Zero was involved. That's why I thought I'd kind of point it out. So once again, that is Impossible Jones and Captain Lightning number one. Either of one or maybe a miniseries, I don't know. It doesn't tell me. On page 393 of the Diamond Previews. This is Nick with a pick from the main previews catalog, this time from the Sigma Comics section, that's S-I-G-M-A. 
on page 397. It's Here Comes Calico, number one. The writer is H.H. German, or German, and the art is by Javier Orobich. I feel like I'm terribly messing that up, but I heard an interview a while back on a podcast with H.H. German, and he was talking about his motivations for the story and kind of what he was doing with the character and the line. And I believe this is probably actually the first time any of his comics are in the main previews catalog. He's been building up to this by selling comics independently at a lot of conventions over the last couple years. And finally, he caught the eye of the Diamond Comics representatives there who invited him to bring this into their catalog. And so this is the first of eight issues that tells this story. Price is $2.99 for 24 pages. After hearing the interview, I did pick up the first issue of this before it was available in the catalog. And it's a pretty interesting story. The art is fantastic. And the way I would describe it is basically the Punisher for animal cruelty. So proceeds from this line of comics is meant to help with some animal abuse charities and things like that. So you can kind of get the idea where it's going. The solicitation says there was once a man walking around the streets of New York City with big guns and a skull on his chest. Hector Gill makes him look like Gandhi. The Calico gets intel on people who abuse and slaughter animals. He puts an end to it permanently. Explicit content. So definitely not for the weak at heart, but especially if you're maybe you're a pets person or want to check out something that kind of feels like a little bit of a 90s Punisher Check this miniseries out from Sigma Comics. This is Jason with my next pick on page 411 of the previews catalog. It's back issue number 45 from Tomorrow's Publishing. This looks like a very, very good issue. If you just look at the cover alone, it looks like it has 99% of spider-man villains or at least the classic ones it says watch your back wall crawler it's our spider rogues issue villain histories of dr octopus lizard kingpin spidey's mob foes the jackal and carrion tarantula puma and spider foes only a mother could love and listen at this it says featuring the work of bronze age spider creators ross andrew sal Buscema, jerry conway tom defalco gil kane todd mcfarlane david michelinie Frank Miller, Keith Pollard, John Romita Jr., and Sr., Roger Stern, Roy Thomas, Lynn Wayne, Marv Wolfram, and many more. Featuring a Spider-Man and his Rogues Gallery cover by Dusty Abel. So Tomorrow's Publishing it really does well in terms of comic history and getting out these themed issues that spotlight either a character or, in this case, Spider-Man's Rogues Gallery, which to me that's what's always kind of brought me into the Spider-Man world is all of his rogues they're, they're very very colorful they're very interesting like you you're always ready to you know they, they have these great cool costumes these cool power sets and I mean, it just seems to be you know month to month like he never never runs out of cool bad guys so i would put him right up there with batman in terms of like one of the best rogues galleries in comics so if you're a huge spider-man fan specifically bronze age which it looks like this is a lot of what it covers I highly recommend you checking this out. You can't go wrong with tomorrow's publishing. Hey, this is James back with my final pick in the previous catalog. 
This time I'm on page 418, and I'm looking at Queen of Swords, A Barbaric Tale. <laughs> Writer, Michael Moreshi. Artist, Corin Howell. Okay, now this one a little bit confused me. We got a new Barbaric Tale about four or five months ago, and I've been purchasing it. It was a, a I think it was a second or third Barbaric series. I can't remember for the life of me. And then Michael Moreshi went and took another type of Barbaric Tale and went to a blaze, and that's coming out too. But now he has another Barbaric Tale spinoff of Barbaric back at Vault, where he really originally had Barbaric. So I don't know why he's going to different publishers. I, I, I would have thought they would have kept them together. Maybe Vault can do more than one Barbaric Tale at a time. But here we are again. This one, I'm looking at the cover. It's kind of cool. It, she doesn't look exactly like Red Sonia, but it looks like some tough women who, in the vein of Red Sonia, I'm down for it. It looks like some Barbaric Tales that I would enjoy. Let me read you the solicit. It says, spinning out of the pages of Barbaric comes an all-new, standalone, rip-roaring fantasy adventure filled with mayhem, humor, and a bloodthirsty weapon that just won't stop talking. That always makes it fun. That's what makes it Barbaric. Sira is a witch with a checkered past. Ka is an assassin with an agenda all of her own. And Deadheart is a barbarian who wants to bash everyone in her path. They'll have to unite their unique skills to track down a powerful foe who's tied their lives together. So. Terrific stuff. I'm going to pick that one up. There's Barbaric number four being solicited by Vault. I'm picking that up. And the new series of Money Shot. I'm picking that up. Money Shot is their adult series that comes out from Vault. But I mean, so Vault, I'm picking up three comics from you. So as long as it's good, I'll keep on dipping into it. With that being said, I wanted to say thank you to everyone who sends in clips. Please, please, please. I would like to hear more of you. I would like to hear 20 people send in one clip, then four people send in five clips and still have 20 picks. It just makes it more fun. So please, more and more of you, send in some more picks. And those of you who do send in your picks, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I know John appreciates you. And thank you, John, for hosting the site. Thank you, John, for everything you do and all the editing you do to make me sound better than I do naturally when I'm talking. And I'm looking forward to seeing all of you guys on the Slack channel, you know, just a chat and stuff like that. And until next time, take care, guys. Bye. This is Jason with my last pick in the previews catalog on page 424. It's Frazetta book cover art. It says following fantastic paintings of Frazetta, which is next to it in the same page, with reference on book covers. The revolutionary Conan, Death Dealer, Edgar Rice Burroughs, and Lord of the Rings artist's work sells for millions. Luxurious reference with each cover on a page to itself chronologically to study Frazetta's evolution. Text commentary, original publication data and quotes from the artist. A complete collection of Frazetta's book covers is a dream come true. So this is somebody who, in pop culture, you know, almost everybody has, if you've read any, you know, essentially any fantasy or horror in the past, you've probably run into a Frazetta, either magazine cover, creepy magazine, and eerie magazines. But also he did, most famously, a lot of covers for the Conan books. So if you type in Frank Fazetta Conan book covers, I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. Like you you truly feel like you are transformed into that world and exactly what's happening. You feel like it's almost happening to you. Very realistic, very aesthetically like pull, pulls you into like that fantasy world. So I he also was famous for doing the Death Dealer, which there's a whole comic series, you know, Frank Fazetta's Death Dealer, where they are basing that series off of that character. So another famous book, you know, painting for him. So. I definitely recommend this if you are a fantasy, you know, fan such as Lord of the Rings or uh, Conan the Barbarians, that sword and sorcery fantasy. Probably one of the best artists that I've ever known, and 
definitely enjoyed everything I've ever seen him do. So recommend this if you, if you like that kind of fantasy. Thanks, John, for the forum and for having this for us to be able to uh, share with you, you know, with each other and anybody who could be listening, uh, kind of pointing out the things that stand out to us and giving us this ability to be able to do that. Appreciate all your hard work behind the scenes. Thanks, guys. Uh, hope to um, talk to you all soon and look forward to hearing your picks this month. This is Jason with a pick called The Siege of the Black Citadel. It's on a website called arkhavencomics.com. It looks like it's a paperback book, so it's not a graphic novel. And basically, it looks like Chuck Dixon, who's famous for, uh, you know, Batman, Robin, you know, kind of a 90s writer, uh, is is writing a series of novels based on Conan. So it says, The Siege of the Black Citadel. The Black Citadel must fall. The Mad Emperor Strabonus sits upon the imperial throne of Koth, a danger to his subjects and Koth's neighbors alike. When his cousin, Prince Zathomidas, raises an army in rebellion, he finds great support within and without the empire. Veteran legionnaires, gold, and mercenaries flow into the prince's camp, including one barbarian sword for hire from the frigid north. The towering black citadel stands between the rebel prince and the throne he seeks, and when its siege threatens to continue well into winter, Prince orders a small team of swords to find a way into the ancient fortress called Talus Kirith. But the Black Citadel is guarded by things more terrible than walls and swords. It says the siege of the Black Citadel is the first in a new series from the legend Chuck Dixon. Chuck Dixon's Conan, which is based on the public domain character of Robert E. Howard's Conan. Obviously, Conan is not necessarily on the, uh, I mean, he's on the cover, but he's not in the title. So it looks like, I guess, that. Conan can now be written about as a public domain character. So I'm not sure exactly if this is based on any continuity or if this is kind of an original story by Chuck Dixon. And I don't know how many are going to be included, but it looks like it, it is a paperback book. So it's not necessarily a graphic novel. 126 pages for $12.99. It does say it's free shipping. So someone pointed this out to me and I thought it was very interesting to check out because I, I've always enjoyed Chuck Dixon the way he writes characters. So I would be curious to check this out and see how he weaves together um, a series of stories based on Conan. So I highly recommend this if you are a Conan fan, Chuck Dixon fan, or both, uh, like I am. And I will post the link to the website and where, where you can order it, but it's it's called Ark, A-R-K, HavenComics.com. And I, I was not able to find this in previews at all. So it looks like it's just a, um, even though it does say at the end of March, it looks like it will be available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble as well. As, so it's going to be pretty much all, all booksellers, but you can get it from the website for $12.99. And when I try to check on it, it looks like it's free shipping. So highly recommend this if you guys are a Conan or Chuck Dixon fan. I hope everybody found something of interest in the pre-order catalogs this month. I know I found a couple of things, although it was a little hard for me to figure out, okay, what do I want to do my clips on? But I also found a few things because of other people's clips. I don't think I would have found that We Are Scarlet Twilight, number one, that was mentioned by uh, Jason and Mo if, if they hadn't pointed it out. So thank you guys for doing that. Again, there's a ton of stuff in these catalogs, and it's really easy for stuff to get missed which is why we've got an open submission policy on these episodes. 
I'd like to get as many voices and opinions in these episodes as possible. And to do that, all you listeners just need to send in a clip or two as often as you can. Now, sending in a clip is as easy as recording it on your smartphone and just emailing it to me or putting it in the Dropbox link. It's, it's really, it's not hard. Now, I do recommend once you've recorded it, you listen back to it just to make sure it sounds good. Because in the past, I've had a few things where the volume's too quiet or too loud or there's background noise. Just do a quick test recording, make sure it sounds okay. Do the recording, double check it, send it in, you're done. It's not hard. Even if it's just a single clip, that's fine. I just want to get more people participating, more different vantage points. Maybe we can get some more manga represented or more indie comics or something like that, or just more love of DC and Marvel. I mean, everybody out there is listening to this podcast because there's some comic they love. Let's support those comics by encouraging other people to read them. Now, the deadline for the preview spotlight is the second Saturday of the month. You can always check the main page of the comic book page website for the latest information on the next deadline. And you can even sign up for email reminders. I send them out the Tuesday or Wednesday before the deadline and the Tuesday or Wednesday before that. So you get an initial reminder to get you to start thinking about it and then another one just a couple of days before the clips are due. Now, I want to thank everyone who sent in clips this month. It would have been a much shorter episode without you. I also appreciate how some of you guys got these clips in really early. That's very helpful. I want to thank Jason, Michael, James, Patrick, Billy, Nicholas, and Mo. And again, everyone is welcome to send in clips, so please, please do that. The deadline for the next preview spotlight covering the April solicitations is 9 a.m. Saturday morning, April 8th, 2023. So again, please send in clips, and with that, we'll call it an episode. The show notes and forum for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.